So hello, everybody. My name is Damon Lewis, and my co-host with me is Andrew Fritz. And today we have a special guest, Florence Krieger. She is an ocean master, aspiring ocean master, and I am dying to understand exactly what that means. Uh, she is a lifelong lucid dreamer, and uh, yeah, she's got she's got a whole bunch. We were talking in a pre-interview. She has a whole bunch of things she's interested in and that she does, and we're gonna get into it today. So, uh, so hello, hey Florence. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, I'm so happy to be here and talking about this kind of stuff. I can kind of get giddy, and so if I ever start going off on several little tangents, just reel me back in, because I get really excited about all oh, of this. <laughs> I love tangents, we, we love it. Sometimes we just let people go. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> all right, so, I'll kick off um, the first question that I sometimes like to ask, since we haven't, we haven't really met each other before, since we don't know each other. I think a good question to ask people, um, the first thing is, when did you, did you, are you a natural lucid dreamer or did you have to teach yourself? I uh, was always a lucid dreamer. I was one of those people who tended to prefer to spend more time in the dream world than actually in reality. And as a kid, my dreams were always so vivid. They were so real. I, I can live lifetimes and other stories and other personalities entirely in, in this dream world. And um, I was just so fascinated by it. And the more energy that I put into the dreams, uh, the more I was able to become lucid in them. And it was a phenomena that felt like magic to me as a kid. And um, I didn't really know what it was. And I just, I started reading about dreams. And the more I read about dreams, the more I started lucid dreaming. And so it was kind of um, a, a small passion that uh, evolved into like a full-blown practice and, and uh, cultivation of awareness through lucid dreaming. But so to answer your question, yeah, I've always been um, really adept in that really vivid lucid dream state. Cool. Is it like as far back as you can remember or do you remember a starting point? As far back as I can remember, really. I, I There's no definite point where I that was a catalyst or anything I just remember um like as a kid always on like long drives I would just lay in the back and and to go into my creative imagination that would turn into dreams and I was just always very much like that that artist who always had those creative visions going on and just taking that into the dream state that's I'm glad I asked the second question. That's perfect. I, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, See, so yeah, I guess, can you describe, um, you know, what were your early lucid dreams like? What was that, I guess, kind of those experiences like for you? And maybe how did it eventually evolve when you got more into the um, kind of diving more deeper into it? Sure, sure. Um, my 
my I, my very first lucid dreams, and I think this is pretty common, was flying. As soon as I realized I was in a dream, I was like, oh, screw this. I'm going to go fly around. And I remember uh, always trying to fly really high up in the sky and just watching the 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 dream world because you know it's very malleable it's you know it shifts constantly it's not really stable and just watching the day turn into night and the night turn back into day and mm. um and it, so it was always just flying around and exploring all the different textures and tones of this kind of um astral plane and then as I grew into it and I started understanding more about what was happening and how to actually cultivate it I started um, going more into uh, more like dream yoga exercises and then when I became uh, lucid uh, going into meditation uh. um, and so some of those experiences have been really interesting of I have a lot of dreams where there's a lot of people around and they're trying to get my attention. They're trying to distract me. And so through meditating in those lucid dream states, just watching how my subconscious tries to distract me and just observing that witness. I've had one dream was actually really cool as I was sitting on a beach and this one kid kept trying to like ram me with a stick. And I was like, can't you see I'm meditating here? Like, can you like buzz off? And he was like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be doing this. And I was like, okay, okay. So I was sitting there meditating and I was trying to let go of the physicality of my body. And I was like, okay, come at me. And he like ran at me and he got about halfway through my body. And then the, the, the fear of that physicality kicked in again. And I was like, whoa. And so I was like, okay, back up, back up, try it again, try it again. And so we, we sat there and he tried to keep running through me and I kept trying to let go of the boundaries of my body. So he would pass all the way through. Wow. Um, so it went from like really simple, just flying and enjoying the freedom and the, the creative and being able to say like, I want to see this and having it manifest instantly into uh, kind of changing those practices and using it as a way to really speak to my subconscious mind. And um, be because, you know, dreams are a way of um, processing certain emotions, processing certain information that we're trying to integrate into our being. And I was like, wow, we have full access to this space. Um, so it turned into kind of um, uh, a self-explorative reflection of all these tiny pieces of myself that were being reflected in my dreams. Um, and within that, too, it's been I've had a couple I had one phase where I was astral projecting all the time and um, those journeys were again mostly like with flying and trying to uh, contact other people. Mm -hmm. um, so like uh, there was one dream I had um, where I was, I flew out of the window and I went to go see my mom and I guess I had morphed maybe into a child version of myself. And I remember standing next to her and holding her hand and she's wearing her bathrobe. That's how I knew it was her. And, um, and she, we had a conversation. I can't quite remember the details. It was so long ago, 
But I remember after that journey coming back, my mom called me the next morning. She's like, I just had a dream about you as a kid and I miss you so much. And so I know it's possible to connect with other people. And so my astral projections, when I feel that intense buzzing um, where you just kind of vibrate out of your body and you're, you, you, you know, you're flying around, you can see the little cord, you know, mm-hmm. trailing behind you. I always like, ch- like to check and be like, okay, I'm still connected. Um, <laughs> <laughs> have my way home. Right. And, um, and then, so like my astral projections tend to be more so of like trying to contact other people and connect with other people's, um, uh, astral bodies in that in that experience it, for me that actually answers some questions like the a specific question i was talking to somebody else about about being in, inside other people's dreams mm-hmm. to me that sort of makes sense if you were projecting and you were projecting near somebody i mean obviously there is no necessary spatial boundaries but kind of getting the idea that you're within somebody's energy field if you're projecting maybe that's uh you know a way of being inside their dreams and connected with them Mm -hmm. because i've had that experience too of being inside somebody's dream like literally they had the dream i had the dream you know yeah and it's funny too because the the astral plane there is beyond time and so i've had dreams where i've had dreams of this one person um, who actually uh, was my partner for about four years, but I used to have dreams about this one person and it was only maybe like 10 years later or something that they had the same dreams where the same shared experiences, but there was a time gap of about 10 years in between. And so it's this crazy phenomena where they can happen at the same night like the the experience with my mom and then sometimes there's like this huge time gap too and it's just kind of crazy to think about all these um figures that we meet in our dream like are they are they a part of ourselves or are they actually other people exploring that same realm and i remember it was a very interesting experience if i can go on a little tangent for a moment it's um I was having a dream and I was semi-lucid where I was understanding that I was in the dream but couldn't break the plot, the story of the dream, but I was aware that I was dreaming. And I remember seeing this guy fly and he's like holding up his finger and going pew, 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 like trying to shoot me with his hand. And I remember thinking he must be seeing like the projection of Uh, his story of his ego in this shared astral space must be something different than I'm seeing in in the story that I was playing out in my dream too. And so that's like another little interesting nuance to those shared projections as well, is that sometimes we don't even realize like the, it's not always like what we see is not always what they're seeing too. Hmm. Interesting. um, Andrew, yeah. Uh, quick qu- question for you, actually, both of you. Can you give me just one second? I have to plug in my phone before it dies. Yeah, go and ahead. Andrew, if you if you mark, I don't know if you want to keep keep this in or edit it. I, I, I don't want to break. 
I don't want to break the flow. I just, my phone's going to turn off and I'm so unprofessional and I apologize. Go for just, it. Just Go plug it in. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> that gives me a time to take a sip of my chai too. That works. There you go. <laughs> so you're on the West Coast then? I live in Mount Shasta. Okay. Are you familiar with um, Michael Tamar? Michael Tamar, no. Mm -mm. Okay. Um, I, I don't think he lives there anymore, but um, I think he used to live there. Let's I see know. if I can get in the same position. He's a, he's a spiritual teacher. Long, see if I'm not in the same position. Beautiful. Yeah, there's, it, it, even though it's a small community, there's like little pockets that. Okay. Um, I'm familiar with some of the pockets, but there's other pockets that I'm not. Well, okay. <laughs> you good? Right, I'm ready. If you guys are ready. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I'm good. All right. So Andrew, did you, uh, did you have a, a question um yeah so i mean with with the lucid dreaming once you you started mentioning the dream yoga and you said there was um i guess a certain person in the dream that was you were kind of letting them over multiple times kind of letting just kind of pass through you um could could you talk more about just like when you got to the point where you're like oh i'm gonna try to meditate in a dream because I, I i feel like that's a pretty advanced practice and what a lot of people maybe are moving towards and just more about that because I find that really fascinating. Yeah, I guess that kind of goes with um, uh, what Damon was saying is an aspiring ocean master and oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so the the term I it, actually that term is I, I got it from a dream. I got it from a lucid dream and um, I was moving through this terminal and you're supposed to stop and get a, like a stamp on your hand. And I got my stamp and I read it and it said, destined to become a Dalai Lama. And if you translate Dalai Lama, it translates to ocean master or ocean guru. And in the, you know, in the spiritual practices, the ocean is uh, consciousness itself. And this physical expression is the wave of the ocean and through all the practices that I study is um, part of, uh, I guess what I feel my purpose is here on life is to become a master of all these different layers of consciousness and be able to access the, the fully, you know, multi-dimensional self and be able to access this entire uh, span of our potential um, and so part of being an ocean master, which started as, um, you know, a kid and wanting to unlock all the superpowers of the brain and, and finding all, you had these superpowers in the dream world and being like, okay, well, if I can have them in the dream world, then why can't I have them in the waking state too? And kind of learning how to integrate the, um, the magic and the co-creation and, and the, um, the power of manifestation and intention in this world and really um, become a master of this experience and become a master of all these 
layers and part of transitioning from just simply exploring these worlds and discovering how far I could take them was wanting to uh, fine tune, I don't want to say control, that feels like too structured, but um, uh, like, it's like um, a sailboat on the waves is you're kind of going with the flow, but you're guiding it with the wind and with the currents and um, being able to kind of steer this vessel in such a way that is moving with the current, um, but guiding it into this, these deeper pieces of myself and understanding um, the micro and the macro and vice versa. And, um, part of just, I guess, part of the natural evolution of my uh, interest in the dream state is uh, wanting to integrate not only the, the magic of the dreaming state into the waking state, but also uh, integrating the waking awareness and the cognitive um, abilities into the dream state too, and kind of merging all these levels of consciousness together. And that was really my motivation to start meditating. And as soon as I became lucid, meditating and going into that space of um, you know, when you get into really deep meditations into nothingness, but it's also, it's not really nothingness, it's just no thingness. Mm -hmm. And um, kind of going to that space of non-attachment and letting, letting my subconscious mind just literally unfold in front of my mind and, and take that as information and just understanding of what's being processed and the messages that my body and the divine intelligence is trying to communicate with me. That's does, awesome. that, does that answer your question? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I think that answers all the questions. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all we have for today. No. <laughs> yeah. Really, I, I'm, I was, I, I started to have a question, but now my mind is blank because that, that I think that's, you, you just made a complete circle there okay. <laughs> as a thought. That's great. Um, I honestly, I do have a million questions of what I would want to know about your practice and about all the experiences you've had. But I think um, people would be very interested. Uh, are you still there? Yeah, I'm yeah? still okay. here. Um, sorry, I froze on the screen for a second. Um, I think people would be very interested to know, have, have you helped other people to learn, you know, lucid dreaming, rational projection, and what is it that you could help tell them? So that I know, I know that you are a natural gifted lucid dreamer, but for somebody that's not, I know I, I've had lots of lucid dreams, but I've lost touch with them and I really need some help myself. So what would you, what would you say, what would you tell people? There's a lot of tips and tricks out there to kind of get your mind into questioning reality, which I guess it was natural for me. I was always kind of questioning what was real. Um, I know some trips, uh, some tips 
that people have used is like uh, if they work a lot at the computer, sending um, a like pop-up notification every hour and it just says, are you dreaming? And so every hour taking a minute to look around and to just notice the quality of your, uh, of your awareness, the quality of your environment, um, and just getting yourself into a habit of asking yourself, are you dreaming, um, is one way to kind of um, kickstart that thought process in the dream state. Um, another one is, um, which used to work, I um, is wearing a bracelet. And every time you fidget with the bracelet, every time you notice the bracelet to ask yourself, am I dreaming? Because um, you'll, you'll, you'll notice it in the dream and you're like, oh, wait, the bracelet. Oh, okay. Um, or sometimes I, um, in, uh, if I ask myself, am I dreaming? I'll jump. And so typically in a dream, if you jump, you'll kind of come up and then you'll kind of float back down um, or like pulling your finger as you ask yourself, am I dreaming? In the dream, your finger will just like kind of like extend out long and, and, and be loose. Um, there's um, the one trick that I think has worked best for me is time, is, is a clock is every time I look at the clock in waking state is I take a moment to really recognize the numbers. Because if you look at a clock in a dream, it'll be numbers and letters. It won't make any sense. It, like, it, it, won't, it won't look the same. Um, or even just looking at anything that you interact with in your waking state on a regular basis, taking a one minute longer to really recognize the quality of that interaction, whether it's um, the crispness of your vision, the per, like your the senses and your perception, um, which will be completely different in a dream, and you'll start to be able to discern, um, okay, this isn't real, this is a dream, or I shouldn't say this isn't real because it, dreams are real, um, but you know this isn't waking state, this is a dream. Um, those have been the things that have worked best for me. Um, and uh, in helping other people to lucid dream, it hasn't necessarily been through intentional lucid dreaming. It's been through the practice of yoga nidra, which is, um, it's called sleep yoga or psychic sleep. And it's essentially the, um, there's whole different layers of it, but it's the integration of the waking, uh, keeping awareness present as you drift all the way down into uh, like Delta brain waves and um, keeping the functioning and awareness of the cognitive mind in those deeper states. Um, and that yoga nidra, I, the more I practice that, the more lucid my dreams are, the easier it is for me to intend to lucid dream before bed and to cultivate that lucid state in the dream state. That's cool. That's fa that's fascinating. Can you talk more about that? Um, yeah. Like what? Yeah. When would you would you practice that like right before you go to sleep or is there a certain time you would practice that? And then I guess can you maybe talk about that experience of that 
going from all the way down the delta what that experience is like yeah yeah sure um so yoga nidra you can, you can basically practice that anytime it's just like it's a type of meditation meditative practice um but it's about putting the body into a deep state of relaxation but keeping the mind very present which we know that that's a similar um a similar relationship that the body and the mind go through when it comes to astral projections as mm. well. The body is essentially asleep, but the mind and the consciousness is connected to that astral body. And then that way you can exit and have all these crazy uh, soul journeys and astral projections. And um, so yoga nidra is parallel, um, but has its own kind of philosophy to it too. Um, so, it's not so much a matter of when to do it, but for you to actually do it. And um, I think that, that, that is the most important is that you actually have some kind of meditation practice. Um, what do I wanna say? Is I think having whatever type of meditative practice is really key to cultivating awareness and really accessing the full depths of the dream state because the dreams are so full of stories and distractions and it ways to engage the senses that you have to have that skill to be able to let go of those thoughts to not um, to not follow the the bait and to be able to create that distance, that uh, disengagement with the story to be able to have that fine motor control um, and that fine cognitive control within such that malleable state where your identity is like you're, you're holding on to your identity by a bare thread. Yeah, that's yeah, there's been times where I've um, would be in an experience and the first thought is my goal and it'd be like, oh, okay, we should, you know, get prepared to meditate. And then just out of nowhere, all these other things just start happening. And it's just like almost out of control where it's just doing random things that have nothing to do with that. And then I'll wake up and I'd be like, oh no, what just happened? <laughs> so I, yeah, I understand that. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. That's, um, so is, when you say going down the Delta, is that, it's just very, very, very relaxed, or are you getting, is that like full on like sleep paralysis or where? Sure, well, I could talk a little bit about like the different brain waves that we sure. go through in sleep a little bit. Um, so we have, you know, the waking states, normal interaction, consciousness, where we are very much identified with an ego, with a character, um, and that is, beta mostly it's about 13 to 100 cycles per second so very active um, and within that state uh, we see gamma in there too which is uh, we see these spikes it's about gamma is about 40 to 70 cycles per second so it's within beta is when we're going through um, uh, spurts of high concentration. It's uh, one theory is that we go into gamma when we are binding our senses to new input to learn and remember things. So it's like um, 
you know, we're learning something and in that experience, we're seeing something, we're hearing a certain noise, we're smelling something or we're eating something and that the gamma waves is that brain state that kind of inputs all of these senses into a coherent memory um, and helps us to integrate that new information. Um, so gamma is a lot with like learning memory and information processing. Um, and then it slows like when you start falling into sleep or when you start going through, uh, start falling into the, like the nidra state is you start going into alpha, which is about eight to 12 cycles per second. And this is that like relaxed waking state. It's the early dream state. It's, um, it's a very light trance, relaxed focus. It's where our serotonin production starts to spike. It's that feeling of just, oh, I'm okay. I'm, I'm well, I'm okay. I'm okay. And you're just relaxing. Our immune system gets a nice boost. Um, it's also the stage where our identification starts to become a little malleable and we start to see distance between identification with our thoughts and seeing them just as thoughts. And we begin to disengage with identity. And it's this key phase that really allows us to drop down into sleep because if we're too attached to ego and to the character, we'll stay in waking state and we'll never drop down. Mm. Um, and then it goes a little bit more into theta, um, which is, oh gosh, it's, I think it's four to seven cycles. So it's even, it's, you're starting to get real slow. Um, so uh, the higher theta is uh, REM sleep. And then you have deep theta, which uh, is deeper sleep. And so, um, REM sleep is where you start to see that um, atonia, which is that loss of muscle control. Mm. And it's the way of the body kind of protecting itself to not act out what we're, <laughs> what we're living in here. Um, yeah. So it's like a, it's a protection mechanism. Um, but this is also the, you know, we see theta waves in uh, people, uh, who are more active in the creative arts when people are painting or writing, uh, writing stories, you see a lot of theta uh, activating in their brain. Um, so it's this space of really high creativity and this carefree attitude, you, you know, you're, you're limitless, you're free from, uh, you're starting to become free from your ego and your consciousness. It's, um, it's also the state where we start to um, into, start to really integrate information and learned material. This is where like long-term memory consolidation happens uh, during sleep. It's where um, we find emotional integration, um, any kind of incomplete experiences that we're having in our life will kind of live out through these dreams and through this REM sleep is where we start to see um, uh, completion of things that have been feeling incomplete in our lives. It's also, um, this is the state that when people are using intention, this is where the best like potential behavior changes can happen is through this access in this, in this very malleable state. 
Um, it's also where we have, we see a thickening of the prefrontal cortex, uh, which allows for us to make space, to make conscious choices instead of just following our habits or, uh, yeah, the prefrontal cortex kind of helps us manage the reactions of our primal brain. And in theta, because we are giving ourselves that distance, we are not just following our habitual reactions anymore. We're giving ourselves space to say, okay, I want to make a conscious choice based on this material that I'm integrating or this experience that I'm having. Um, this is also where you get the, the hypnagogic and the hypnopompic imagery, those like pre-images, the pre and post images that you get as you're kind of drifting off and coming back to waking states, that's in theta. Uh, and then the, the, the deepest of the deep is delta. And that's 0.5 to like 3.9 cycles. So very, very slow. This is where you get those gaps of no thing, nothingness. Um, this is the most restorative. Um, this is where you start to really experience out of body experiences um, is in Delta is when your body is in that full shutdown mode. Um, some people will kind of just rest in that space of source where there, there's just the, the cosmic womb of nothingness and all of life potential. And then some people, um, if they have cultivated that awareness in that space, then they can move outside their body and start having out-of-body experiences, which kind of oscillates between theta and delta. Hmm. Uh, delta is also where we see like a, a, a significant reduce in cortisol and a significant uh, increase in the human uh, growth hormone, which is basically the anti-aging anti hormone that helps with our bones, our muscle mass, our uh, fat breakdown, protein synthesis, immune system, all that good stuff. Um, yeah. So the, the slight difference between that's, you know, those are the brain waves that we see through any kind of sleep cycle. Um, and, you know, you'll see them in different spaces. Sometimes you'll see gamma in REM because we're concentrating in that dream state. And so they, they mix and match sometimes and you kind of oscillate in and out through these cycles. Um, but the main difference between biological sleep is that you're letting the mind go into full silentness, whereas in a practice like yoga nidra or even any kind of other meditation is the awareness is present going through those deeper states. And so you're keeping awareness, um, keeping awareness present as you kind of dive deeper into those, into those more quiet states of consciousness. Yeah. <laughs> what? I hope that wasn't too much to unload. No, 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 no not at all. Yeah. What? It, this might sound like like a like a lateral thought to uh, what you were saying about the alpha state. Mm -hmm. But when you were talking about that, what it made me think of when you're talking about the prefrontal cortex and the thickening of the the brain walls, the yeah, the thickening of um, the, the, 
Yeah, in the gray matter. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, when you exercise, the blood coming to your brain and the your, if I'm remembering it correctly, your brain mass actually gets larger while exercising. Say like if you're jogging, mm -hmm. and uh, I know that people have used exercise to sort of build up their energy, like their psychic energy. Mm -hmm. And do you think there's any sort of correlation of like brain waves with exercise? Because I know for me, um, I've had an experience of my crown chakra opening up while doing a 10K run. So, so, so much so that there was a crowd of people and I could literally feel all of their energy around me. Um, and I, and I, sort of take that experience from other people talking about using exercise to raise their energy and their awareness. Do you think there's any sort of correlation with uh, different brain cycles and exercise? In um, like what, like what your brain activity is going through, through exercise? Yeah. Yeah, do you think maybe an alpha state, a meditative state, you know, have you ever ran long, like a uh, long amount, you know, marathon or something like that, or, or have heard about people doing it where you can get into that, that flow, you know? Yeah, I'm, um, I'm an ecstatic dancer, trance dancer. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, and so I've danced for hours at a time, and, and you get all the energy circulating and amazing things happen during that state. And I would say that your brain waves go through all of the cycles. It's, um, you know, the waking state is when you're starting to get into that, into the music or into the exercise. It's like when you're starting to run and then you start getting into that runner's high, that's when you start kind of transitioning into alpha and theta. And some people can even go all the way. Um, what I've seen a lot in trance dance is some people can go all the way into Delta and still be dancing. And they're just, they're completely in that trance state. I would say, um, light trance would be alpha, which you can kind of go into while exercise. You get into that very rhythmic space, um, that space where you're with the breath, you're, you're relaxed and you're present, you're really present. Um, and then you start, um, you start, you can go into a deeper trance, which would be more theta. And that's when I know a lot of people who exercise, they start getting that boost of creativity and they have that inspiration and they're like, oh yeah, that, or that's how I'm going to solve that problem is when they're exercising. That's really prominent in uh, the theta waves. Yeah, and also the correlation between say like doing reality checks with lucid dreaming mm -hmm. and exercise. And you were talking about breaking habits, breaking the habitual nature of we're just going about our day and doing our daily life. It's very easy to fall into patterns, but exercise is not easy because it's, uh, it goes against our physical nature to exert energy when we don't need to. That's where we need to conserve energy, uh, you know, and biologically. So to expend energy is to break a pattern. Uh, and I think that's, I'm just bringing this up because again, this is sort of a lateral thought, but mm -hmm. 
exercising and keeping your body healthy can be a part of all these these processes and doing a for myself when i'm doing reality checks uh i do all the you know the finger trick or the plug in my nose but uh, i also remind myself and i'd love to get into more about uh, dream yoga i also remind myself not just asking is this a dream but reminding myself that yeah this is a dream and we're all dream characters in each other's world like in this big objective dream so i don't want to steal too many questions from you know andrew uh but maybe after andrew has his chance to get a question i want to get more into some of the dream yoga stuff sure can i um you bring up an interesting thing about actually about exercise and um combining this very uh um ability to kind of break through habits too mm -hmm. and um again that this might be slightly slightly lateral but i think it's within the same house is that there have been a lot of studies done that exercising in dreams allows you to do the exercises and the physical practices easier in the waking state too mm -hmm. because you're training your you're training the same parts of your brain in the dream state and that it's easier to access those spaces in the waking state too and so being able to um use exercise or if i study aikido too and i don't know if you guys are familiar with aikido it's a no it is yeah yeah it's a certain martial art but it's more of like a budo more than like it's more arts than martial um but it's uh there have been times where practicing that philosophy through the physical movement has created um like as I practice that in a dream or I'm faced with a conflict in a dream, when I'm faced with that same conflict in the waking state, I have that uh, mechanisms already in place. So it's easier for me to handle the conflict in the waking state much easier because I've already practiced it in the dream state too. Mm -hmm. And so being able to break habits um, through that uh, theta state is, that in dreams, we are given opportunities or tests to kind of help us break certain patterns. And that when we practice more things in the dream state, it's easier to access them and change right. them in the waking state. And it would be the same opposite. And I'm, that I've seen this, that if you're talking to somebody, me, I have a problem, like if I get angry, right? Anger sometimes is my problem if I see in the objective reality world, what's going on with that interaction, it's like the dream pops off. Like, wait a minute, I know why we're about to have a conflict and then I just stop. It's, it's kind of the same dream thing, yeah. you know, it makes it easier. Yeah, it's, it's not, none, nothing really in a reality is a one-way street. It's, it's a communication, it's a two-way street. There's the, um, the flow of manifestation and there's the flow of liberation. There's as above, so below. It, it, it works both ways and all through every level. And it's just 
the kind of the philosophy behind yoga nidra is that we make changes at the subtle to make the changes at the gross easier because it's easy the more subtle more malleable things change faster more more quickly, more efficiently than things at the gross, which take a little bit longer, they're a little bit slower. So through the power of intention, we plant these seeds of intention at those theta brainwave cycles, so that when we slowly transition all the way back out to beta, it's 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 already planted at that deepest point, it'll make changing at the gross level at that beta level much easier. Um, going on with the, uh, the brain waves you were talking about earlier. Um, so I'm sure people would be interested in, um, I'm sure everyone's kind of come across this on like online or YouTube, where there's those, um, listen to, I guess, binaural beats or different types of those things where it can, um, you know, basically kind of you, if you lie down or just go into meditation and kind of get you there over a certain amount of time, do you find those things? Would they be helpful or are they not really something that would be helpful or um, have you kind of tampered in that at all or can you talk about that maybe? Yeah, the binaural, just the binaural beats or any kind of like hearing aid. Yeah, any kind. I mean, I think there's like the isochronic and other types. I don't quite understand all the difference between those, but um, I, I, I've, I've used them and then they've um, they work. <laughs> There's been times where I just, I mean, initially it would just put me to sleep and I was like, wow, okay. Uh, all right. This is, this is going to be a challenge of, can I stay conscious through this whole experience? Um, but yeah, just maybe just your thoughts on your experiences or if it's uh, something to use maybe. Sure. Oh yeah. As, as we fall asleep, our senses shut down one by one. Hearing is actually the last sense to shut down and that's our survival mechanism so that when we're sleeping and we hear something we instantly come back to waking it's that one function that we kind of keep on the edge of being shut down because that's the first thing that we're gonna uh, experience when it comes to danger and that's part of our biological evolution mm -hmm. and um so through uh, through binaural beats and through any kind of uh, listening agent when it comes to going into a meditative state. It could be simply the voice or a guided meditation, or it could be just simply the beats or the tones or singing bowls, any kind of sound therapy really allows the body to shut down as much as it can to go into that deep rest and that restorative state, but keeping the awareness and that uh, cultivating that skill to keeping that awareness through the through the sense of hearing and so it's a it's a beautiful aid to practice going into the deeper levels of the dream state but still practicing that meditation because it's like a one-point meditation you always just come back to the music mm -hmm. but it allows for the rest of the body to go into those deeper states so yes, I highly recommend it. Sound is such everything that we see, everything that we experience comes through waves and sound is one of the magics of this reality it is just pure wave. 
And to be able to experience that and explore that, it can be so, so healing. Our body responds so well because we can go into those theta states Mm -hmm. and go into those malleable states, but still integrate those lessons and those teachings into the waking state because awareness is still there. Uh, So yes, I highly recommend it. Okay, very cool. Um, I think this might be a bridge to what Damon's trying to get to with the dream yoga. Um, I just want to see if you have any thoughts about, you know, if people are, you know, they're lucid dreaming and maybe they um, not getting it stable enough where they can kind of do something like, okay, now you want to meditate or have, have some sort of intent or goal to, you know, do in the, in the dream state while conscious. Um, is there anything that you found helpful maybe in your own experiences or in general, just with um, having a more stable experience um, to get into those uh, other higher experiences you might want to have? Yeah. Um, I'm always a big advocate again of meditation and cultivating those skills to be able to let go of distractions. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that I have found has been key for me. I know it doesn't work for everybody, um, but just in my own experiences, just having a consistent consistency is key, a consistent meditative practice, and also giving yourself time. Good sleep hygiene is also really key. And sleep is one of those things that we always kind of push aside. We don't really think about how to prepare ourselves for sleep and what we need to do to prepare ourselves to go into these deeper layers of consciousness. Um, I know putting away phones and blue light screens, that's really key. I do a alternate nostril breathing practice before going to bed to balance the right and left uh, hemispheres of the brain Mm. and breathing out impressions i guess i would call them impressions of the past impressions of the future impressions of my present state and active actively breathing out my past you know breathing in presence breathing out the past breathing out thoughts of the future breathing in presence and then ultimately letting go of presence itself and breathing in nothingness um, and giving myself time to let the thoughts of the day go Mm -hmm. because in in the philosophy of dream yoga we have different types of dreams there are the samskaric dreams which are the ways that we process our emotions, our thoughts, our feelings that happen in experiences in the waking state. Those are typically the dreams that are kind of fuzzy. Maybe they don't make any sense. It's a bunch of pictures. Our brain is basically just trying to process the day. But if we give ourselves time to process the day before going to sleep, we don't actually have to do that during the dream state and that our brain can go into those deeper spaces and open up spaces that we can meet guides or teachers. And I know the author of uh, the Tibetan book of dream yoga, he said, I learned all of this from a teacher in a dream. And when we give ourselves time through meditation to 
let go and process our experiences, we can intentionally, uh, whether it's through just the power of intention or saying, I ask my guides to create a space for new information or something, you know, learning or saying, I intend to have a lucid dream. Our, we don't have to go through the necessity of processing all of our experiences and we can open up that space for the experience for a more stable experience within the lucid dream and we are teaching ourselves those skills not to get caught up in the distractions of the dream okay. yeah um and writing down your dreams in the morning mm -hmm. that has always been recommended and it's one of those silly things that people are like oh yeah 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 okay i'll write <laughs> down my dreams but they don't actually do it do it that it's it's amazing training your mind to bring that very etheric malleable intangible substance into something that is very real will help you do the same will help you create that stability in it's that same um the same kind of muscles, the same skill sets of creating a stable environment of the astral realm so that you can sit in meditation without everything constantly like changing mm. on you is, is creating form out of the formlessness. So cultivating the skills of non-attachment, but also creating like a stable environment so that you can sit and keep yourself in a stable space to let everything else kind of unfold around you. Hmm. That would be, that would be my recommendation. Awesome. I like that. Cool. All right. I got a, a good one for you. I think good one. I know Andrew's going to like this one. <laughs> if you can give us a start to finish um, example of like a favorite technique, or if it's not, if you don't have to call it a technique or whatever, like what you do in a practice from start to finish, say it's at nighttime or whatever, and we'll say maybe lucid dreaming, because if that's your, that's what you practice most, right? You practice lucid dreaming most? Oh, I wouldn't say most, but it, it's it's all embedded in there. Which, yeah. which one do you, would you rather give us an example of lucid dreaming or astral projection? Like a start to finish technique. Technique. Oh, it's hard because it all depends like which techniques I would use would be I guess where I am but how about, I, how about the one that you use that's the most successful for you and your most common the most common one that you use okay successful. and give us like start to finish what you would do laying down do this do this do this until you get into it sure my um okay I would say starting with, and part of these practices come from the yoga nidra philosophy, um, which has its ties into the same kind of methodology that uh, hypnotherapists use as well to get the body to relax. So I typically start with a few rotations of consciousness about bringing the mind to different points in the body. So uh, 
it's it's a systematic release moving there's many different flows that you can go through usually i say pick one and continue with that one you can either work from the top of the head to the feet which is very grounding i tend to go more along the flow as of like the the that someone would do in a cranial sacral therapy so starting uh I usually start with the right hand thumb, go through the fingers, the palm, up the arm, down the side of the right, all the way down into the toes. And then I start on the left side, go through the left arm, down the side of the body into the left leg. And then I do the back of the body, starting from the, the buttocks. And in, in Taoist philosophy, the, the energy moves from the spine into the crown up and over to the front of the body so moving to the buttocks the sacrum the spine the shoulder blades the shoulder back of the neck back of the head crown of the head and then because our motor cortex is mostly have you guys ever seen the homunculus mm where it's it's a little person representative of the uh, the motor cortex and which how much of that cortex is associated with different parts of the body and so this is a, a little human figure that has a huge head huge hands and feet and a small body mm -hmm. so the rotation spends a lot of time on the fine uh fine points of the hands the fingers the toes and then the face. So I spend a lot of time relaxing the forehead, going into the right eyebrow, the left eyebrow, the right eye, the left eye, the right eyelid, the left eyelid, the meeting point between the eye and the eyelid, the temples, the right cheek, the left cheek, the tip of the nose, right nostril, left nostril, the, the, the space in between the lips, the upper lip, lower lip, space, the meeting points between the chin, the jaw, the throat, and then into the bigger poise, uh, pieces of the body, the right chest, left chest, and down into, uh, sometimes I'll even go into the internal organs and relaxing the esophagus and the lungs and the heart and doing a, when you're in this state, it goes through really quickly, but just recognizing the body and bringing awareness to those points and releasing, releasing any tension. And that really puts the body into a deep state of relaxation. Uh, so that would be, you know, body, any kind of rotation of consciousness, any kind of body relaxation. The next step of that would be breathing. Uh, my favorite is alternate nostril breathing. You do it mentally. Um, so counting, you're basically counting the breaths uh, mentally as you rotate your uh, breath going in. So I'll say, usually I pick a number that's a multiple of 27, anywhere from 27 to 108. Hmm. Uh, so I usually do 54 because that, for me, that requires the right amount of concentration. Hmm. Uh, so I'll do, I'm breathing, you know, left breathing in 54, right breathing out 54, hmm. right breathing in 53, left 53, left 52, right 52, right 51, left 51. And I'll keep doing that until I really feel myself start to doze. And this is when you might start to feel the first um, 
this is either where I start dropping it into sleep and that's where I plant the intention to have an elusive dream and I let myself go into that state. If I'm a little bit more awake, this is where I start to feel that tingling sensation that you start to get before you astral project that buzzing sensation and I bring uh, my awareness uh, to my third eye and transition the breath into breathing through the third eye and allowing the vibration to increase and increase and increase. So for astral projection, and then I start to stretch my astral body past my physical body. So I'll start stretching my head above and then I'll move down and I'll start stretching my feet below and I'll start using my breath as a wave to stretch my body past past its physical limits mm. and that's when uh, I'll either start to feel myself like lifting up it's I've noticed that the head is always the hardest to disconnect because that's where ego lies so it's a fine it was the part you were talking about extending your body yeah and breathing in extending your body up and breathing in extending your body down and i'm sure you can remember from there right like oh, yeah, you, yeah. Oh, so, yeah all right so yeah. I, I won't ask you too many things now that are pertinent to the podcast um but let me think do you have any questions for me because it's it's not my i mean now that the episode's not recording <laughs> you know it's because the episode's about you but do you have any any questions for me or about like andrews and i like how we met or anything or what we do or anything like that yeah oh well, anything like anything oh i guess he's oh, we're recording okay. again <laughs> <laughs> okay Yes, I would uh, love to hear more about your story. Um, okay. All right. Well, I'll cue it up. Uh, Andrew, are you back there again? Are you back yeah. with us? Yeah. Sorry, I kind of just dropped okay. out. <laughs> That's, That's okay. cool. All right. So I'm going to, Andrew, I'm going to cue uh, Florence back in with how she was describing breathing up. Yep. And breathing down. Yeah, and sounds good. So we just had a, a, a quick little interruption. Uh, but Florence will keep going with her, her method of, uh, of astral projection. Yeah. Um, yeah, so using the breath to expand the astral body through the head and the astral body through the feet, just starting to play with the malleable, that malleable state and getting my awareness more identified with my astral body than with my physical body. So trying to kind of transition that awareness into that state, encouraging the buzzingness um, to continue. And sometimes it'll start to get really fierce. And there are times where I just kind of vibrate out and I don't really have to do anything. Sometimes it takes a little bit more work and I, when it does take more work and the wave isn't really working to help me find that momentum to sit up out of my body, I will start doing um, a full expansion of the body and contraction, expansion and contraction with the breath. 
and then holding the expansiveness and the contractionness at the same time. And then typically that's when the ego is like, I can't hold those at the same time and it drops back. And then you can start, um, that's, that's usually when my, it, it, it disconnects from ego and I'm able to drift into the, the, either the astral projection or I drop completely into the dream state. Uh, and as I'm falling asleep, as I feel myself drifting more into that sleep state of intending to be lucid and saying, I will be lucid. I will lucid dream tonight. You know, my dreams will be lucid, any kind of thoughts of that. And more often than not, my dreams will be lucid with that intention. Um, so those are kind of like the exercises that I use to prepare my body for relaxation while holding my awareness at, a, at that certain point to, uh, to start to transfer the awareness from the physical body to the astral body. Okay, cool. That's awesome. That's um, how long of a process this is. I mean, for someone listening, they might think, wow, so that's a lot um, for you. Is that, all night. <laughs> is that a short process for you or is that uh, takes a good amount of time for you to go through that? I'm sure it's different for everybody to go something, no. something like that, but just, I just out of curiosity. I'm sure people would want to have yeah. an idea. <laughs> it's hard to notate a time because when you start dropping into those deeper brain wave lengths, time starts to become distorted. And what feels like forever may only be 10 minutes because you're doing everything in the mental realm. It goes by really quickly. It moves really fast. And it doesn't feel long. I would say that whole process takes no more than if I'm already in a tired state, 10, 15 minutes. If I feel really wired, 20, 25 minutes, because I need that. I do more rotations of consciousness to get myself into that, um, in the sleep cycles and the non-REM stage. You know, it's one to five minutes is that that first light sleep stage. And then it goes into 10, 15 minutes is the next stage. So sometimes I have to spend a little bit more time dropping down into that deeper state if I feel pretty wired. Um, yeah. And for anyone also, my other recommendation is to avoid, um, uh, perception altering or mind altering substances. Hmm. And um, uh, there are some people who can smoke marijuana and have really vivid dreams, but more often than not, that I will have the most lucid dreams and the most control and stable dreams sober. Um, yeah. I've, uh, I've had to stop smoking, I mean, a long time ago, but um, it, it seems that, that uh, at least for me, it would almost as if like, I couldn't remember dreaming at all. Like it just was just non-existent, even though I know there was dreaming happening, I just wouldn't remember. That was my experience of it. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
it's our our body the like the substances that we put in our body and, and this includes our food too eating really clean foods too is the more the less energy that our body has to spend repairing itself and trying to restore itself back into homeostasis and balance the more it can focus it can we have more energy and more attention and more focus to go into these more deep the, these deeper states of consciousness and so if we're smoking a lot drinking a lot or whatever our body when it goes into sleep it's like i don't want to stay awake I want to go into those deep places of repair and restoration and go into that beauty sleep. Um, whereas if we're already feeding our bodies properly, we don't have, our bodies doesn't have to spend as much energy. So our beauty sleep can be a lot smaller and we can spend more time in REM sleep. Mm. Also looking into. Stop at the segment of sleep. sleep. Mm -hmm. yeah. Are you familiar with the segmented sleep cycles? Uh, polyphasic sleep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've I've actually because I'm a truck driver have done a lot of positive polyphasic sleep. Yeah. Yeah, and the idea is, uh, well, part of I guess the idea is that the first sleep cycle that you do is basically the beauty sleep, what you need to repair the body put it back down to baseline. And then the second sleep cycle is that time for the creative imagination and the dreams. And that is actually when you'll have the most success in astral projection and lucid dreaming is after the, the beauty sleep. Mm. Um, so uh, I find that if I'm really tired and I haven't been treating my body properly, I will set an alarm for midnight or not midnight, but somewhere in the middle of the night to wake myself up and then go through those processes because my body's already gotten its beauty sleep, its rest, its restoration. And now I can access more of the creative sleep. Mm, yeah. Uh, also, I would add, um, we were talking about eating healthier foods and eating clean foods, um, watching too much. I mean, it's okay to keep up with the news, but watching too much of the news or getting too involved with, you know, conflicting things, it just takes away from your energy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's just more psychic energy that you need to repair at night. You know, if you're dealing, or if you work in a, uh, a you know uh, environment like an office or someplace where it's conflict or high stress if there's ways to de-stress during the day but mainly avoiding things you can avoid like the news yeah avoiding the news taking breaks in between uh like when you have a conflict making that distance say okay can i think about this for a second can i take a break going just doing the the rotations of consciousness doing some kind of breath exercise those are great ways to again give yourself that space to process the conflict integrate all those feelings emotions and thoughts so that you don't 
so that you're not spending all that energy at the end of the day when you're exhausted and all you want to do is sleep because your body is like, nope, I'm not going to stay awake. I'm just going to go deep into these processes because you didn't give yourself that time to, to disengage during the day to allow yourself to process those things. Um, so again, for me, the, the, the philosophy of having a consistent meditative practice, whatever that means to you, is giving yourself that time to process so you're not expending all this energy all the time and you're learning how to disengage faster. Yeah, and if you have one specific person, like a, an in-law, a, a coworker or whoever, one specific person that you're having constant conflict with, even if you don't get the deeper meaning of it, and this is part of like, this is part of my lucid dream practice of like dream characters and dream yoga. Even if you don't get the meaning of why am I in conflict with this person? What's my relationship? If you just acknowledge the fact that you are in some sort of relationship with that person and it has meaning, just like dreams have meaning. And that if you eventually understand it, it'll stop. <laughs> you won't have that conflict anymore. But right. acknowledging it can help lessen the energy. Yeah, there's this beautiful, I heard it, it's called letting it rain. So R-A-I-N, recognize, accept, investigate, non-identify. And that's the process of letting something come up, recognizing it as conflict with a person, accepting that there is that, there is that conflict, it's there. And investigating and not necessarily being like, what, what's the cause of this, but just understanding the message that it's bringing with it. Right. So not necessarily the cause, but yeah, what, what is it trying to tell you? What is it trying to teach you? What is its message? And then from there, it's the hardest part is just not identifying with it and saying, okay, that's a thought that I'm having. That's a feeling that I'm having. That's an emotion that is moving through me, but that is not who I am because I have those things. I cannot be those things. And yeah. yeah. We're two characters in a play on stage, but at the end of the day, you're an actor. Mm -hmm. You're not that character. Right. Yeah. And so through, through these practices of meditation, the practices of cultivating, uh, the practices of dream yoga, of cultivating lucid awareness is really about understanding the roles that we play and being able to create distance from the stories and those roles. And, and what's beautiful about the dream state is it's it's such a playground. It's such a playground to explore all of these different roles and characters and ideas and sensations and, um, but yeah, they kind of, which is why I say I kind of I'm a jack of all trades is because all of these different facets of reality and understanding. Uh, the different ways to experience all of the different layers of this reality, they all kind of intermerge with each other. They all have pieces that they can teach the others, you know, pieces of the puzzle. And uh, so it's, 
yeah, there's there's so much that you can access. There's there's not one road that leads to this result. There's there's so many roads. There's so many mountains. Right. Speaking of jack of all trades, um, can you talk um, about some of the things, uh, other things that you do that maybe you didn't haven't touched upon and um, I'm sure people that have been listening to this would be interested in maybe getting in touch with you if you, um, is there anything you offer or uh, maybe just talk about that? Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where to begin? I don't know. <laughs> At the um, beginning. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm a, a Reiki master teacher and Reiki is essentially translated as the universal life force energy. It's one frame in which to access life force energy, which feels a lot like that tingling sensation, right? Uh, mm. Right when you're about to astral project, it, they're very similar. It's uh, Reiki energy is like the, the softer, gentler uh, feeling. And then you have like the pranic energy, which is that more intense vibration. Mm. Um, so I study that and offer distance healings. Uh, there's so many uses that you can use for it, but it's really about coming home to yourself. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm a yoga nidra facilitator. I offer recordings and personalized practices. If anybody has a specific intention that they want to cultivate within themselves, I have certain practices that help with lucid dreaming or help with manifestation or help with cultivating abundance in your life or shifting a self-perception of yourself. Um, I am a writer. I write science fiction and fantasy. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that goes well to the, the lucid dreaming. <laughs> it does. It does. I... I write, I call them mystic musings. They're just, uh, it's basically part of my ongoing blog, which is not up yet, but it's, it's being created. I'm an artist. Uh, I do, uh, I color man mandalas. I actually have one here, if you guys are curious. I'd love to see it, yeah. Oh, cool, beautiful. So it's colored pencil. It draws you in into the center. Yeah, I kind of see it as a, if you were looking down at a lighter, and mm. when you click on the lighter, when the spark becomes the flame, like that oh. moment that yeah. it like clicks on. That's cool. My best friend actually drew the mandala, and then I was the one who colored it in. So that's my little art. So I do um, like art therapy and helping people to uh create a creative space for people to process certain emotions or certain traumas i do that uh, i do movement therapy i was a dancer for 20 20 years oh, wow. um, and i and i you know i do i do ecstatic dance i do trance dance and uh just kind of getting people to embody emotions uh in their body I, hmm, what else do I do? <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and like coaching, oh, I'm a crystal, uh, crystal healer. So I help people work with minerals if they want to create a grid that has a certain intention 
or I've done house clearings for people too, where I grid their house and then do a Reiki cleanse and mm -hmm. kind of help feng shui, see where there are dead zones in the house and see how to kind of rearrange the spaces to create more harmony, more flow. Um, so you do yeah. a lot. <laughs> I do. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah. How would people potentially get in touch with you um, if they're interested in the, the many services um, or things that you're, you're involved in and, and help with? Sure, there's a couple ways. I'm transitioning websites. Uh, so the website that I'll be transitioning to is called everydaydala.com. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's everyday, D-A-L-A.com. That's just a landing page right now, but you can put your name and email there if you want updates and when it's going to be launched and all those services will be integrated onto that, uh, onto that website. If they just want to get in contact with me, they can email me at, it's dala, D-A-L-A, at innermandalamedicine.com. Definitely. Yeah, they can yeah. reach me and there. I'm, I'm sure by time, you know, because the video will be posted and the, the audio will be on the podcast, people will listen to this now, but, you know, later on, people, your your website will be up and running. So by time people listen to this in a year or two, you know, we'll say a couple months. We'll say, yeah, yeah. 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 That you'll, you'll have everything up and running. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll even have you back as a, as a, a guest again, if you'd like to come. Yeah, of course. I would love, I could, there's so many avenues to talk about accessing the ocean of consciousness that if you wanted to talk about different avenues I'd, or same avenues, yeah. different stories, love to. Yeah, yeah it feels absolutely. like we just scratched the surface. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. So you want to close out, um, Damon? Sure. Uh, well, there is the, the last tradition Ah yes, uh, that we do. Yes, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. You can you can do that, and I'll oh, okay. I'll, I'll tee up, I'll tee up at the end. But you can you can give the tradition. Yeah. So I mean, I feel like you, you've you've really talked a lot. Of, you've given many tips actually already. But usually, yeah, how we typically like to end is just um, just a really short, simple, um, helpful tip for anybody. It could be anything spiritually related, or if you want to make it more about lucid dreaming or astral projection, whatever is calling to you in this moment that would be helpful to the listeners, uh, just something short and simple. Yeah, I would say, I think I mentioned this to you guys in the pre-interview, but self-care is really the doorway to self-mastery. Mm. So allowing, giving yourself giving yourself permission to take care of yourself, to take time to take those breaks, to take the time to do a little breathing exercise, to take time for yourself, to prepare yourself for sleep. Because the more you take care of yourself, the more you're gonna learn about yourself, the more stable you're gonna become in yourself. And yeah, self-care is the doorway to self-mastery. Beautiful, that's, I love it. that's comes full circle to leave people with. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think we could literally talk, this episode could be, you know, 10 hours. I, I, I think we literally just scratched the surface. Yeah. But uh, I think for, for today, it's good. You know, mm -hmm. I ripped out my thing because I'm so 
excited about the episode. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, but I hope everybody's enjoyed listening and watching. And you know, uh, you've been watching Surf the Astral. Our guest today is Florence uh, Krieger. She's given her contacts. I hope everybody's enjoyed. I hope everybody's having a great day. And yeah, the, the like button and all that kind of stuff if you're doing YouTube. So do all that kind of stuff. All right, have a great day. Thank Bye you. Everybody.